Welcome to Succession Stories, insights for next generation entrepreneurs. I'm Lori Barkman. I've spent my career bringing an entrepreneurial approach to mature companies struggling with change. As an outside executive of a third generation, 120 year old company, I was part of a long-term succession plan. Now I work with entrepreneurs, privately held companies and family businesses to develop innovations that create enterprise value and transition plans to achieve their long-term goals. On this podcast, listen in while I talk with entrepreneurs who are driving innovation and culture change. I speak with owners who successfully transitioned their company and others who experienced disappointment along the way. Guests also include experts in multi-generational businesses and entrepreneurship. If you are a next-generation entrepreneur looking for inspiration to grow and thrive, or an owner who can't figure out the best way to transition their closely held company, this podcast is for you. What if your company could unlock millions from your data? If you're interested in exploring how machine learning and other frontier technologies can be a catalyst for revenue or increased profits in your business, let's connect. Our process helps create an identified solution in just two days. Go to small.big.com, that's smalldotbig.com slash contact to start the conversation. Be sure to subscribe to Succession Stories and tag us in social media to help other business owners discover the show. Karen Norheim is the president of American Crane, a specialized manufacturing company founded by her father. Karen shared her story as the next generation and how she's taking the company to the next level. In early 2020, the company launched an innovation lab and has started to implement digital transformation technologies like IoT and virtual reality. We talked about the importance of embracing disruptive change, not only because of the pandemic, but as a way to invest in your future. One of Karen's favorite sayings is to be comfortable being uncomfortable, which has helped her find her way in challenging times. Karen Norheim, good morning. How are you? I am great. How about yourself? I'm great. It's snowing. (laughs) So if anyone's listening to this at some point in the future, we are getting dumped on and it's a beautiful day. I am really glad that you're here with me on Succession Stories, not only because you're second generation, but you're a fantastic leader of a really interesting company called American Crane. And I'm looking forward to learning about you, the company, and also what you're doing with digital innovation and transformation. I, I want to sort of share with the listeners first how we got connected, because I think it's an important part of the story here, which is we got connected by Lisa Geigel, who works at Thomas, and the CEO of Thomas, Tony Uphoff, yep. is, a friend, is a friend of yours. And you were on his podcast probably a while ago now, and he was the very first guest on my show. And the theme of that interview when I had talked with Tony was about corporate innovation in a mature company. And so here we are full circle, and that's a core part of what we're going to talk about today. So welcome. Well, thanks so much for having me. And I have to say, I listened to Tony's podcast with you and it was wonderful. He is such great insight for business leaders. So I really enjoyed it. And I'm excited to be here today with you. (laughs) Great. Why don't we start by you telling us about the company? What does American Crane do? So American Crane is a leading manufacturer of overhead cranes and hoists, as well as other material handling equipment. We're really passionate about delighting our customers. And what's really cool about our equipment is it's it's really a tool, a very large tool. 
that you can use in your manufacturing facility or utilities, nuclear power plants. There's a lot of our equipment and energy. And what's really interesting is there's so many different applications. So not only do we build complex, amazing equipment, but we also serve a wide variety of customers. And it makes it really exciting. Who are some of your customers that we might be familiar with? We have done work with Boeing. Our equipment is actually used in their Dreamliner facility in South Carolina. We've also done work for NASA. So our cranes have been used to lift spacecraft, which is really exciting. We're currently working with them on their Orion project. So really, I I love it. It's so much fun. So a kind of a space geek. So it's really exciting and inspiring to be able to work with them. And then other big utilities such as Exelon, Dominion. We do a lot of work in the nuclear energy space and also just other general manufacturing as well. That's really cool. So these are highly specialized cranes. These are not the kind of crane you're going to go see on a construction site. These are permanent and very large installations. So that's pretty cool. How old is the company? We will be turning 50 next year. So we are 49 this May. So 49. uh, Yeah, it's very, very exciting. And the company was founded by your father. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, one of the major milestones of my life was coming to work for my dad. At the time, I did not think manufacturing was all that cool. What were these things called cranes and hoists? And, you know, it turned out to be one of the best decisions of my life. It has been over 18 years since I came to American Crane. And I've really found my passion for manufacturing. You know, I've fallen in love with our products and and our amazing people. So it's really been a wonderful place to have landed. So very cool. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. What's your background? You didn't start out thinking, hey, I'm going to go work in manufacturing for my dad. You studied what in college? So I was a business major. So I had an international business and marketing degree. So I was working in several different industries. Actually, the last industry before American Crane was the ski industry. I worked for Stratton Mountain in their marketing and communications department. And my father, you know, he recruited me to come and work for him. I I really was reluctant at the time. So my background really is in marketing. And then after coming and working for him, I ended up getting the IT department as part of my function. So I was in charge of marketing and IT when I came there. And I, while I'm the tech junkie and I love technology and I've always been very savvy with computers, it wasn't my background. So I went back to grad school again for a master's of information science and a, an MBA all from Penn State. So we're from Pennsylvania. So we are Penn State. Love Penn State. And what part of Pennsylvania are you in? We're located in Douglasville, which is about 45 minutes northwest of Philadelphia. So we're on the eastern side of the state. Gotcha. What was that conversation like between you and your dad? Did he call you out of the blue and say, hey, Karen, I want you to work work with me. Come join the company. I think he'd been planning this for a little while and he knew that I was kind of at a turning point where I was considering what my next move was. And he just kind of swooped in and, you know, he said, I'd like you to come and work for me and see if this is something you want to do. And really, I've had a lot of amazing things in my life that have been because of my father. He's an immigrant from Norway. He came to the U.S. when he was in his 20s and he really took American Crane from a struggling enterprise into a thriving business. So I I was intrigued and decided that it was something that I needed to go and do. So I did negotiate for more money, of course, way back when. And then I came to give it a shot. And and I, you know, I said, Dad, if I don't like this, I'm gonna move on. But it turned out it's it's amazing. I mean, it's it's really cool to be able to take things from a piece of paper and turn them into physical existence. 
and I have so much appreciation. I'm very proud of all of our people and the type of engineering that we do and the type of products that we get to build. You know, it's very, very exciting and it's very rewarding. Really an incredible place to be. We have about 170 employees, just to give you kind of a scale of the size. Great, great. And for your dad, just to kind of take it back to, you've been at the company almost 20 years, you said. When he approached you about joining the company, was he clear about his intent for you in his vision of succession? Did you know that his vision was for you to take over the company one day? I know that it was something that he would hope for that I was interested in and with, and staying in, but it wasn't it wasn't a given. It wasn't, Karen, you're going to come and work for me and this company will eventually become yours. It was, Karen, you can come and work for me and see if this is a, an environment you want to be in, if you, if you enjoy it. And as you learn the business you know, and go through it, we'll eventually see if you becoming a leader and stepping in in the long run is something to do. I mean, to be honest with you, so it's been you know, 18 years. So back the first couple of years that I worked for my dad, I mean, I had a the first couple of things I needed to do was number one, get over my boss's daughter complex. I always thought I had to prove myself and do more and, and, and all, all of this. I, I really needed to just get comfortable in that role. And then, you know, he really was a mentor. He was putting me in different areas. I implemented an ERP system, which helped me learn all the functional areas of the business. And he was slowly kind of taking me on that path where eventually I would step up and be the leader. I would say by year three or four, he was starting to plant the seeds and saying, listen, here's, here's what this could be like. But he also, you know, like most first generation founders, he was not really thinking about his mortality or legacy at that time either. That really came more about the 10-year mark where we talked about how literally the business would transition to the second generation. What were his wishes for wanting to do that? What would that look like? And, and from the nuts and bolts of how you actually make it so that I can afford the tax bill, right? When, when, when the inevitable happens, and it's a really tough conversation because you're talking about the mortality of, of a family member and it can, be, it can be really difficult. I remember the moment that it kind of started at one of our VPs in our, our group of leaders. At that time, I think I was vice president of marketing and IT. You know, He blatantly just put it out there and he said, well, Avra, what are we going to do when you're gone? And he caught me so off guard. I was crying in this meeting because I hadn't really thought about that. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. But what it did do is it helped my dad and I become more co comfortable with that conversation and it opened the door. I'm grateful for him for, for kind of calling that out because it did open the door for us to go down that pathway. And then once we, we managed the nuts and bolts of what that would look like for, for our family, then we moved on to just mentoring and, and learning. And, you know, my dad is still active in the business, you know, several days a week, providing mentorship and guidance. And I'm very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to run our ship, you know, lead our ship, but able to be, but have a lifeline where I can call for help if I, if I need it, which has been invaluable in 2020 with all of the challenges that that year brought. But it's been, it's been really wonderful. So, you know, I get to work with the most amazing people, one of which is my father. That's awesome. I love that he was a mentor to you, still is a mentor to you. That lifeline is so important, especially in the transition period. When you were reflecting on the comment you just made about the getting over the boss's daughter complex, what, <laughs> what, did, what did that mean? Can you expand on that? I needed to really just get comfortable in who I was. I mean, it's classic evolution of a leader, right? Where you decide that, you know, life's too short to be anything but yourself. And I just needed to be my authentic self, you know, and be Karen Norheim, exactly who I was, 
my personality and not try to be something that I thought I needed to be in order to prove myself. And then I needed also to build relationships in the company. I, I did in some way need to at least prove to people that I was, I was capable and I, you know, I didn't need to do a good job, be willing to speak up. So there was kind of a, a of an evolution of myself, you know, of previous version. I always say, you know, every <laughs> with last year, I feel like there were a couple of versions of me that came out. But there's always these growth periods as you as you learn more about yourself. And and I think it's really important for both the business and as an individual to know who you are. And I I call that knowing your sunstone. I know we've talked before about my heritage uh, with being Norwegian with my father from Norway and the Vikings, they used a sunstone to find the sun in the clouds, right? When, when the sky is covered with clouds to find your way when there are challenging times, essentially. So if you can hone in on knowing both who you are and what you believe in, and then align that with who the company is and, and what, where the company's going, what, what the company does by aligning those two things together. You know, I think that's really setting, setting yourself up for success. And I've been, this has been a 18 year journey of really figuring all that out. And it's been wonderful. You mentioned a couple of times that it's been a challenging year. I know it's been challenging for a lot of companies. What has been the effect of the pandemic on American Crane and your family? Well, it's, you know, on a personal level, my goodness, quite an overwhelming year. And, you know, I have just actually recently saw my dad, this actually not in person. He is in the same town as me. He has been in quarantine in New Jersey while we've been here in in Pennsylvania, but he just came back. He's getting his vaccine um, this week or the first of two. So that's been really interesting. But then on the, on the business side, you know, we really had to adjust, right? Adjust the sales. Um, as needed for when the the winds and the waves of a storm come. And that's basically what we had to do, which was incredible. I am amazed at how, you know, I shouldn't be amazed. I know we have amazing people, but it was just incredible to see how we were able to pull together and and keep our ship afloat. Um, And I really attribute that to a lot of the cultural work that we've done with Grit Matters, as you can see here next to my, my, my head, the Grit Matters logo. That is our cultural mantra, our mantra of our company, which is, putting perseverance, heart, and integrity into everything that you do. It really reflects who I am, who my dad is, who our company is. It's, you know, kind of going through um, and getting to your end goal despite obstacles. And 2020 was a year of obstacles. So that cultural work that was done in 2018 was the was the starting point, that reboot of the great culture my dad had, which then led to me sort of putting my stamp on it and, and really writing it down on paper. We used to call, call it old Viking laws. You didn't actually have it written down anywhere. You just kind of knew. So, but it's, I think it's really important to, to have that kind of locked in and written down. And then we, of course, there's not just a one time doing that. We've been been cultivating this, growing this culture and continuing to cultivate it um, over over the last couple of years. And during COVID as well, and, and 2020, really, it, it is what kept the glue together for us and people rising up to, to get things done in difficult situations. So uh, really huge for us. And then we, you know, we've talked about this before. We even had some upsides from COVID where we've we've really had some digital transformation that was unprecedented at stuff that that we could have would have taken us a year to accomplish we did in you know 
12 days. So amazing, amazing amount of transformation and change and the company getting collectively out of its comfort zone all in one fell swoop. So massive innovations that have happened, pain, pain in order to make those things come about, but really incredible things. So our plan is um, to kind of to lock that in and keep that great uh, progress that we had, you know, go, going forwards. And I think we are a better company for having had to go through uh, these these times. Ups and downs for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the innovations, we'll come back to that because I definitely want to learn more. The challenges and having your values written down and not just, you know, like you said, the Viking code where everyone just sort of knows it. That I would imagine was a pretty pivotal time for you as a leader, really shaping that next what is, you know, Karen's DNA evolving your father's legacy, not completely changing it, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which is a stupid saying, but, you know, not starting over, I guess is a better way to say it. And grit matters becoming your company mantra. That question has come up a number of times. And I've asked people about it on the show. Of how have your values helped you during the pandemic? How have they helped your company? And you answered that question without being asked. So that was really, really cool. The other thing, just to kind of lean on what you said was about innovation, digital innovation. What was it that you had to transform in such a short time? You said it would have taken a year, but it took you know a month or less. What, what was that specifically? Can you talk about that? Sure. I mean, there was a couple different pieces that go into it. I mean, with, with, I remember March when, when all this sort of was going down and, you know, we never had a mass communication system for all of our employees. So we're about a third in the office, engineering staff, um, uh, you know, accounting, purchasing, project managers, um, salespeople, a third in our manufacturing plant, right, on our actual production floor. And then a third in our service group who goes out and services uh, equipment. And so, realizing, I realized very quickly that, you know, this was, this was really, we needed to take some action. And so the first thing we did was set up communication. And so that we now have a text communication system where we can talk to everyone. Cause obviously we don't have a lot of tech on the floor for our um, shop guys, although that's something we're changing. Um, so we're, we needed that way to communicate with everybody. So we had email and now we had text communication. And then on top of that, we needed a way to give information through those two channels and start creating content to make sure people knew what was going on and what was happening. So we immediately became this sort of video. You know, we produce, at the time we were producing two videos per week of what's happening and what's going on and what the situation was, even just you know what people needed to do personally. Um, and also sending, we had already been doing Friday emails, but a, a Friday email, regular communication, just, I would say that that period of time was really about communicate, communicate, communicate. And on that same thread, what we implemented Microsoft Teams as our choice for remote meetings and collaboration of our teams and a typical implementation. So IT is part of my background. A typical implementation of that for us would have been probably 12, would have been 12 months by the time we had gotten different areas to use it and got everybody on board. Instead, our IT team, you know, we had a third of our workforce. We sent everybody home with whatever, you know, towers, laptops, whatever they had, they had to pack it up and go. Um, and we, we set up Microsoft Teams in literally two weeks and they were using it and it was there. And, you know, we had to just figure it out. Um, and then, you know, I, I had my my shop uh, plant foreman, electrical foreman, my machine shop foreman, all of these guys now had to use technology 
web cameras, you know, the whole story, which they had never done before. So here they're being pushed to use the technology. So everybody just kind of leaned in and, and Teams is now the preferred way of communication in a way by not having everybody in the office um, and kind of compartmentalizing the different portions of our business. Not only did we protect them from, you know, the pandemic, but also what we did was we removed the interruptions. So the engineer who, who needs to do thoughtful deliberation um, was able to do so at home without interruption of somebody yelling over the cube or walking in a project manager coming and asking them a question. And I, I view that as, as something that I've been trying to get us to go towards, which is this idea of single tasking. You know, we don't multitask. It, it is a farce. Your brain does not do it. Your brain switches. So every time you're doing more than one thing at once, all you're doing is switching. If you're good at it, you're just switching more efficiently. Um, but there's a loss when you do that. There's a loss of accuracy. There's a loss of, of focus. So by single tasking, you can really produce better work and it's, it's more rewarding. You just, you know, you that flow that we all get. We love that flow. The flow. Um, and so by, by having um, them at home, the, the, of course, the engineers who are working from home or even myself were able to get into that flow with less interruptions. We could choose when the interruptions were. And that happened in the shop floor as well they were getting less interruptions. They were able to focus more on the plant and what was going on. And we created a channel of communication now where there's a standard way where you communicate something that the shop needs to know. I think they use now an email format um, so that they document it. And, um, and the same with different areas. And it's actually made our communication better um, because we're now streamlined and standardized the way we do that. So, so it makes it, you put structure in to give freedom to people for the other things they're doing. Now, I do have concerns as the world comes back online to bring people back in, how do we keep that? And then also as people have been home for longer and longer and longer, how do we keep them motivated and having those relationships that now there's no coffee talk or you know, to keep all of those good, good relationships going. So anyway, there's a lot, lot to unpack in that concept, but that also was um, a, an innovation that came from the technology. Um, we've, we also implemented and work with a team called Utopian um, on um, a, a something called Augmenteer, which is remote collaboration um, for like the, for uh, service and or for testing. So we now do remote factory acceptance tests for our customers. Um, we can do um, inspections of vendors, things like that. So we've been leveraging that technology there as well. That would have taken a, a while. And then we we started an innovation lab in January of last year, which was looking at the Internet of Things for cranes and smart cranes, which we actually have a deep background in that highly specialized technical area. Um, but even in spite of uh, being separated and not actually being in the physical lab, um, we've managed to make huge steps forward in, in you know, really producing what we believe is going to be the, you know, um, the best, you know, I'm a little biased, but the best, best, most uh, solution for for doing remote maintenance on our type of overhead crane lifting equipment. I mean, just really exciting stuff. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm a better leader because of this. There's been innovation on that side for myself, the better, I'm better at communicating with my leaders, better with my one-on-ones with my leaders. Um, you know, the list can go on and on, but that digital transformation was, was huge. I mean, just some of these key pieces really, uh, have catapulted us forward. And I think it will make us all the more successful as we come out of this here in 2021. It's really interesting how you broke it down because there's communication changes and transformation for sure. We're all remote. What do we do? You implemented a, a great process very, very quickly and 
that sounds like it's working very well. So that's the internal side. Externally, then you also implemented technology to make sure that your client service is probably even better, perhaps in some ways than what it was with the remote monitoring and and some of the other things you mentioned with testing and, and being able to service the product remotely for diagnostics or what have you. That real is really, really cool. So you mentioned this, this company, Utopian. I'm guessing people probably have never heard of Utopian. Are, what, what is Utopian? What do they do? So they are an extension of our organization, meaning that's how they, they phrase themselves. And what they do is they bring you the latest technology. They have a, a team that is always looking at what's happening with AI, with um, VR, XR, You'll note I have a gaming uh, headphones on. My husband and I are gamers. We like to play in that space. So, so they they bring industry uh, level um, innovation to you, and then help you walk through. You know what is the most appropriate thing for your business? What's where? How can you get a good return on your investment? Um, and helping you select things. And and with their kind of grease. I would say, and an extra help on moving our gears in this area, you know, we've been able to make huge strides um, in that space. So, and I can send you information to maybe put with this uh, a link to their website, but I, I think no matter who, who you work with, whether it's utopian for us, you know, we have other partners for our, our different software pieces as well. Um, but I think it's important to have a partner. I mean, I think to, to think that we, me as a leader and us alone could make these advancements, we really need to seek out other advice. You know, um, there are people who are experts out there and there are things that are happening that um, if you can find a great partner, they help you to filter down onto some good selections of what works for your situation. And that just helps to, for me as a leader, helps me get to making good decisions faster because I trust that they've filtered out and given me, you know, sort of the best of the best to look at. So I think it's a really important thing. And, and you know, no one can know everything. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm a tech junkie. I, I love tech. I play in tech, but that doesn't mean that I am an expert in how to use VR for, you know, business. You know, I, I, that I look to others to guide me in these digital spaces. And I think that's important on the digital transformation path is to find good partners that you trust that you can have that collaborative uh, piece. And what's cool about Utopian is they're not, um, they're not software or device specific, they're agnostic. So they really help you try to select, you know, um, what makes the most sense for you. And I think that's a really good thing in a partner, again, no matter who you pick as a partner, is that they can help you select amongst many things, not just like one product per se. Um, but yeah, really, really exciting. Very grateful that we've been able to make those moves in spite of, you know, a, a challenging, challenging year. And, and to be perfectly honest, not the greatest for us financially wise either, but I didn't slow down any of the innovation steps. If anything, I doubled down on some of them because, well, number one, we had to in order to keep going with the remote workforce, but also realizing how critical some of these things are going to be in the future. So I saw some of our challenges as really opportunities uh, that we could leverage. That's fantastic. Did you create the Innovation Lab as a suggestion from Utopian, or did you already have that going and then started working with Utopian? I already had had that going um, based on uh, uh, 
one of the founders from Utopian, who was a, a friend that I had met at a conference before he started Utopian. Um, his name is uh, D.P. Prakash. He worked for Global Foundries, uh, the semiconductor company, and I had a chance to tour his facility and to see what he was doing. And we were just collaborating on what's the best practices. And I'm like, oh my God, this innovation lab, everything you're doing, this is what I need to do. So we created the lab. We bought several different, I call them toys. They're not really toys. Yes, they are cool, but they are, they are things that I think can truly bring us business outcomes. But I put it together, put a team together, said, listen, here's your funding. Here's what I want you to do. You go figure out, here's your, here's your sandbox. Here's your white space, right? I'm not going to tell you which product, which project to go after. I'm just going to say, you've got my support and you've got my funding. Now you smart engineers who are way smarter than me. I'm just a Sherpa for people who are far more brilliant. Um, go and look, go forth, figure it out and come back to me. And my goodness, it worked so well. What they're coming back with is just incredible. And the speed, I thought some of the things that we would, would do would take much longer. The speed at which they're going, the energy that's happening is really great. I think if you have amazing people, whatever industry space you're in, if you can create an area where they can have this sort of sandbox experience um, to, to look at R&D, look at innovation and find things that work. I mean, you, you put them together, really wonderful things can happen. And that's your job as a leader, right? Is to cultivate. Absolutely. Cultivate Absolutely. For organizations that are thinking, oh, wow, that's quite the investment. How do you get a return? How do you evaluate what comes out of the innovation lab in terms of what will move forward? I'm guessing out of 10 projects, maybe one will move forward, something like that. How do you measure? How do you forecast what might be successful and put it into place? Well, the the selection of the Augmenter software for our remote collaboration came out of the innovation lab. Um, the there we're using um, a tool called a Matterport uh, um, to look at taking 3D space models of our uh, overhead cranes because once they are installed, the, they are the permanent kind. And a lot of people when they think of cranes, they think of mobile cranes, not a mobile crane. It's similar, picking things up, putting them down, but installed in permanent facilities. Um, you know. So that gives us a chance to kind of before it ships to know exactly where the electrical box was put on, where where's the conduit and what does it look like um, that's happening. Um, and the the IOT and getting the smart crane technology put together um, is also in process. I mean, I would say that I I look to others to 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 really determine what I was going to put there. I put some really good seeds in. So like the seeds that they've got are pretty are pretty good. Um, but I would say what rose to the top for us was the smart crane and the IoT crane because we were fortunate enough to have an immediate situation where a customer was looking for that. So we paired both an immediate need with a long-term plan. Um, so that kind of helped to rise that to the top of the of the ba uh, barrel. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're looking at... So I, so the engineer side of I have engineers who are working on this with me. They're they're looking at financials. Can can we make this? Um, can we make it at a cost that we think we can integrate in? Um, is it feasible? And then at the same time, I'm looking at okay, well, where's the market for this? Is this something that people need? What is it? What is it telling us out there? Uh, what are others doing? And kind of using that as the viability to to determine that uh, return on investment. Do you talk with customers at any point in the discovery process in terms of their problems and how your innovations might help solve those problems? We have started to. Now, remember, the Innovation Lab just started in, in January of 2020. So we're just coming around our, our first year. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely engaging with some customers on that. 
uh, and talking to them specifically. Um, we also, we have additive manufacturing. We, we do th uh, the 3D printing with Onyx of, um, uh, material and also with plastics, we've already put those pieces on our crane. So we're solving immediate problems for customers using that and just knowing how to um, use a additive machine to put something on a crane for perhaps like the, the government or the Navy or something like that. I mean, that's a big deal, right? You feel like you, you need to know what you're doing. So us being able to, to just walk in that space, walk and, and find ways to um, to utilize it has been huge. And then that opens the door for the running phase. So I always say with technology, you crawl, you walk, and then you run. And so with a lot of the stuff in the innovation lab right now, we are walking, um, but we hope to select a few where we really are, are running at them. And, um, you know, it's all coming. Well, your company is already, it seems to me anyway, so differentiated. I don't know exactly how differentiated you are for your competitors, but I would guess there are ways and that these innovations are going to put that proverbial moat around the right. castle even more. You know, Warren Buffett likes yep. to look, look for that moat. And is that part of it too, that you see that this is going to solidify how you differentiate in the market? Yeah, I mean, so so when we talk about smart cranes and Internet Things cranes, we have made automated cranes, you know, back in the early 90s. You know, we have done technology that would now be considered a smart crane, or, you know, in the last 20 years for different applications of nuclear power plants or in with, um, you know, different with NASA, different, different high um, quality um, moving very expensive things around, right? So we, so we, we've had those experiences. So part of the innovation lab was me just pulling together these smart individuals who don't realize that they have this, this nugget of amazingness, right? And, and, and just let, you know, pulling them together and saying, Hey, we can do this. We already do do this. We just need to pull all of the strands together and make it into sort of a, a cohesive, uh, uh, unit. Um, and that is who we are. So, so in our industry, if we are the ones that people come to when nobody else can solve it. We can, we can solve it. You know, th those tough, tough problems of material handling come to us. Um, and that is why the people that we do work with, the customers that we have, that's what I think differentiates us is that we take it as a partner um, all the way to the end of your project. We're gonna work through all, any issues that happen. You can't predict anything, everything, um, whether it's COVID coming in and causing some problems, whether it's, you know, issues with the supplier chains, or whatever, we, we will work to make sure that our customer gets it. And then on top of that, we are the experts. So we know the technical background. We, we are fully designed in-house. You know, all of that is done in Pennsylvania built in the US, you know, all of those pieces come together. So I feel like that, and then coupled with craftsmanship, because we really are craftsmen and there's a lot of quality that goes into our equipment. We don't believe in building things that are gonna fall apart. We believe in building things that are right for the application um, and reliable and safe. Um, yeah, so I feel like those are all the things that differentiate us. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I, the, I kind of have joked before, even just on the cultural side, back to the Grit Matters piece that, Grip Matters and the great logo was me just putting, you know, the cool shirt and logo on the people who were already amazing, already, you know, hitting it out of the park, you know, really ha had grit and were all these things. It was kind of helping them to see themselves that way and, and kind of reflecting that externally, not just internally. As the next generation entrepreneur, as G2, as, as, as you're called in some circles, it's really incredible to, to hear how you've taken an existing business, almost 50 years old, and you're really helping to take it to the next level. I want to switch gears to talk a little bit about you. You and I had the 
good fortune to talk before the show. And so I got to know you outside of the business too. I know you're passionate about a lot of things. What are some of those things that you want to share? What are you passionate about outside of work? Well, I always consider myself sort of in three threads. So, you know, this is inside Karen's brain. So when I, when I think about life, I think of enjoying life, right? It's about journey um, before destination. So I try to, to always look to be intentional about my happiness and intentional about what I'm doing. And then I also view myself as a serial entrepreneur um, where I have side projects. I have a, a website called rootsinrecipes.com that I made for my mom to tell the story of our family through recipes, which is really fun. Um, I, I'm a big advocate with the VR space and I'm looking to, I had a chance to present for the first time in VR, amazing experience. So I'm always playing in, in, in that area. I've actually um, decided to um, republish a book that my uncle wrote in the 80s called Sprout. Um, and then because um, it had so many great life lessons, I've, I've, I've had some people approach me before say, Karen, why don't you write a book about your experiences and, and things that you've learned, which, you know, I was like, OK, um, but I, I don't know if that really gels with me. But then when I reread my uncle's book, it just happened by circumstance, uh, which is a children's book, probably like an, a young adult. Um, I realized that he was telling all these same stories, but in a, in this beautiful story about wood sprout. And so my goal is to use that in the speaking and the outreach that I do, as well as write the next series of books um, with, and he has passed away. So um, with his, uh, his children and my aunt, which is really exciting. Um, and then my third thing that I like to do is, is I say that I, I want to be a serial philanthropist, um, which, you know, giving money and time. And, and right now I don't have as much money as I'd like to give, but I do have time. And so what I'm really dedicated is doing outreach efforts, just being here and taking the time to talk to someone like you, Lori, or doing outreach with, um, with youth. I'm doing our local high school. I'm going to be recording a careers video for them, um, doing other speaking and, and outreach just to, to, you know, be a role model. I think it's, I think it's so important. Um, but yeah, and, and it's been life, life is a wonderful journey. And if we can overcome these crazy waves that come at us, we're just stronger and better for it, uh, when the storm passes. So Feel good That's things. quite a list. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think one thing from that list would be pretty amazing. And you've got so many wonderful things. The other thing I noticed on your LinkedIn is the women in manufacturing that you are a champion of that organization. What does that organization mean to you? Women in manufacturing is about inspiring, promoting, and supporting women in the manufacturing industry. And you know, for me, I was really fortunate. I've had a role model that my dad came into his business in the manufacturing space. And I didn't really notice I was the only female in the room until a little while. And I'm like, someone said something and I'm like, oh yeah, because I had had such really great mentors and leaders. And, um, and so WIM's mission is to provide that mentorship, that support for other women out there. Cause we're still blazing the trail for women in our industry. I think we're around like the 27 to 28% mark for women in the industry. And I truly believe that uh, workplaces where women want to work, workplaces um, where are workplaces where everybody wants to work, right? I feel like diversity, whether it's gender, whether it's background, whether it's that, you know, um, who you are, education, all those different things really come together to, to create thought diversity. And thought diversity is that amazing nugget that is a competitive advantage in your business. So why wouldn't you want to, to, you know, create and, and bring that diversity in? And, and when is one of those ways where um, I personally can do some of that philanthropic thought, you know, trying to, to reach out and be a role model to others because of the experiences I had. And, and I think we had for, for, 
that particular group were still walking the path. You know, there's a path, there's some, there's some, you know, there's some, some trail that's been blazed, but we just got to keep walking and make it easier and easier for others to see what an amazing industry it is. Cause I really don't know that, that, um, that, I think there's been a study that I had heard of a, probably about a year or two ago that really just talked about how women didn't know about our industry and didn't know about the great careers and, and the opportunities that could be here. So, you know, that's always been a passion of mine and it's a really great organization. They do some amazing things from conferences to leadership training um, to, you know, all kinds of, of great learning and development, which I'm always a seeker. You got to be perpetually curious, right? That's, that's as a leader, that's what you got to do. There's always something new to, to learn and to keep yourself energized. I completely agree. Yeah. And also kind of on the giving back note, you know, time, talent, treasure, those are the three things that you can give. And it sounds like you're giving all three. So that's wonderful. I want to start to end the show with my favorite question, which you know is coming, which is if you have a favorite saying or quote about entrepreneurship. So I, I thought about this when you had let me know that I would need to give a quote. And the, the I have two I'm going to share with you. The, the first one is really my mantra for life, which goes back to this idea of enjoying life and, and enjoying the journey. And this is, today, I will be happier than a bird with a French fry, which stems from an experience in Ocean City, New Jersey, where my husband was attacked by seagulls while eating <laughs> chicken and Pete's fries. He threw them in the air and started laughing. And we were, you know, rolling in laughter. It was hilarious. And we found a postcard with that later that day. We bought that. It actually is framed and it's in my kitchen. So when it's I a see thing. it's a thing, it is a thing. And, and, um, and I actually, I have a corporation called bird with fry corp, which is named for that reason. And it's just not taking yourself too seriously, having gratitude, trying to live in the moment. You know, if anything that 2020 has taught us that, you know, things can just disappear, whether it's, you know, people, lives, businesses. I mean, not, you can't really can't take anything for granted. And, and I think cherishing all of that is part of that. Um, and then the other quote I have for the entrepreneur side, which is, which is really where growth has come for me is, is uh, this idea of one time has to be the first time. And all of the amazing things that have happened for me in my life have really come from me putting myself out there and doing something uncomfortable, um, getting out of my comfort zone. And I think that that getting comfortable being uncomfortable is a great way to open new doors and new opportunities. Um, and they all kind of overlap. You know, there are things that happen with women in manufacturing when I was just doing outreach that really have been good for my business and helped me learn personally. And then, you know, nurturing um, and doing different, different um you know, helping meeting on a fly, my friend's DP from Global Foundries and touring us was, it was just kind of a random way that that came about. It came from a speaking event that I, I spoke at. You, know, you just never know. It was out of my comfort zone. You know, it was not something that, that if, you know, it was, felt a little awkward, but, but my goodness, the things that have come from those types of experiences. So I just think that as an entrepreneur, you have to seek those pieces and, and, you know, it all ties back into overcoming a fear of, of failure. Right. And, and I think it's instrumental to having that spirit. Um, and there's growth that comes from all of it, even if all it doesn't it. work out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are great quotes. I, I love bird and French fries. I love it. If people want to connect with you, Karen, how do they find you online? I am on LinkedIn or, you know, I'm happy to, to give my email address out um, to you. Um, it's knorheim at americancrane.com. Um, and I'm happy to, to, you know, chat with anybody about their thoughts on anything that we've talked about today. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about American Crane, the digital innovations, the next generation experience that you've had and your generosity towards so many things. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. It was great. Innovation, transition, growth. Easy to say, but hard to do. If you're an entrepreneur facing these challenges, I get it. I work with businesses from small to big to achieve your vision. Visit smalldotbig.com to learn more. I'd love to connect with you. Subscribe to Succession Stories. And if you enjoy the show, please share a rating and review. Thanks for listening.